welcome to Augie and the Alien, where we discuss all things movies. I'm Karen Gaylard, she, her. And I'm Darcy Gabriel, he, him. And this week, the main movie we're going to talk about is um, The Martian by Ridley Scott. But before we get into that, Darcy, have you seen any other movies this week? Yes, yes, I have. Um, I watched a sort of new Netflix movie. Uh, it's called Against the Ice. Um, just twenty twenty. Amongst the ice. Amongst the ice. Yeah. Um, and it's basically about um in Danish uh explorers uh, in Greenland. Mostly, uh, they're actually rescuers for an initial exploration expedition who set out to specifically identify if Greenland was actually two distinct islands or one major landmass because America was glowing around and claiming parts of it, saying it was a different island. But they were basically trying to prove that it's one mainland that they have claimed to. Um, and these sort of two key people on this rescue expedition. Wait, wait, so this happened like in the 1800s or something? It was 1909 to 1911. Oh, wow, wow, that um, recent. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just a really, you know... Uh, interesting, well-portrayed story of, of these um, explorers, you know, kind of losing their mind in amongst the ice. It gets really interesting and a bit bizarre at times, and it's just fascinating in a way. Um, so that that was that was a really good one. Um, what, what did you what did you see this week? Um, well, this week I stumbled on an Australian film from two thousand and thirteen um, called Tracks. Um, it stars Mia Wasikowska and Adam Driver, surprisingly. Oh. Um, and it's based on the true story of um, oh, Robin, I think her surname's Dave, Davidson. Um, she crossed um, from Alice Springs to the coast of WA in 1977. And that is 2,700 kilometres. And she did it wow. with three camels um otherwise she did it mostly on her own there was there was a brief period there was a period of the of the um i watched journey. this movie um actually at school a few years back oh. i just remembered all of a sudden you said this and uh he's a the and driver's like a reporter yeah a journalist he's he works for national geographic yeah and they um they end up sponsoring her trip because mm. the only thing stopping her from going is is the money to go and um and so she gets uh some i think it's just like 500 bucks from national geographic but in 1977 that 500 bucks went, went a fair way and um and so adam driver plays um rick i think his name's rick smolin or something mm. something like that i should have written i remember loving that movie yeah and um yeah just a true story i think it actually has a lot of parallels with the movie that we're talking about it does um because again you've got someone who's spending a lot of time on their own that's the same with against the it's odds quite a theme. Yeah, yeah i noticed um yeah in in uh amongst the ice uh that there's definitely some themes of of being alone um and, and, and dealing with isolated. hardship and dealing with hardship and yeah very what it does to your themes between all brain and <laughs> travel there's travel in all three of those movies yeah that's right that's right it's weird how that happened because you know, we didn't we didn't talk about this beforehand sled dogs uh camels and mars rovers yeah <laughs> the modes of transport yeah that's it you, you choose what you prefer yeah yeah but i would recommend um tracks i'm not a great one for sort of watching movies based on true stories necessarily but 
I just thought this was really um, really mm. done really well. Point, yeah. It really held my interest. And I feel like it wasn't just making Robin out to be, um, you know, if she wasn't this... Um, Sometimes when you see movies where people sort of overcome the odds and they and they um, succeed at something really difficult, mm. all you see is the positives. Mm. Um, whereas this one, I think, was was more had a lot more dimensions to it than that. Mm. So yeah, I would highly recommend it if you are interested. So now onto our main movie of this week. Uh which is The Martian. So uh, this is a 2015 movie. Uh, I'll see who it's by. I should have looked it oh, up. Oh, so Ridley it's... Scott. Oh, yeah, it's Ridley Scott, of course. Oh. <laughs> my... fa- one of your well, favourites. One of my favourites. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes not. Um, so what do you think of this movie? Um, so we're just giving our overview now before we get into the spoiler territory. Yeah, spoiler-free moment. Um, so... Um... It's an overall look. I think this is a really enjoyable, entertaining film. I like um, I like that, you know, it's obviously got that lightheartedness for a, a lot of the film. Um, it was interesting, though, that you when you picked it last week, you said, I'm picking it, I'm picking a more lighthearted film. <laughs> and then the first 10 minutes of it is just, ah, they're all going to die. <laughs> um, but once you get through that really difficult bit, um, it's a lot more lighthearted apart from perhaps some other challenging moments that do come up. And, and um, yes, yeah, so I enjoy that. And I think Matt Damon's very good in this role. Um, you know, it keeps you keeps you wondering um, what's going to happen next. So, yeah. I, should I say my score? I'll let yeah, you give me off. You off. What do you think of this film? Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's it's a really fun movie. I wouldn't, you know, say it's the best movie ever. And um, being someone who's read the book, you know, it's um, obviously the, the maybe not obviously, but the writer of the book did um, either entirely write or help write the script of this movie. Um, so it has a lot of influence and is quite true to the book, but could never be quite as good, um, in my opinion. But it's still just a really fun, great movie. It's definitely one of my favourite sort of realistic kind of sci-fi movies um so yeah that that's sort of what i think i can give my rating straight off the bat yeah um, i'd give it oh what are we doing it out of um mm, oh um potatoes potatoes okay <laughs> i'd give it eight and a half potatoes oh okay um all right well i'll go seven potatoes seven potatoes yeah. was mine lower than you were expecting or uh probably higher than i was expecting um so i've gone generous as well i'm being generous yeah. with my seven i'm okay. not being overly critical i was gonna do eight and then i just kind of remembered how much i just love it it's just fun yeah it's fun yeah, yeah, so yeah. And we and do we are very subjective in our ratings yeah <laughs> they're not scientific i just find it fun Un- unlike <laughs> the martian they're not scientific well <laughs> there are parts of that movie um so should we move into the uh spoiler section yeah Spoilers. All right, so I'm just going to keep a quick rundown of the movie. So essentially, uh, these six, I believe, six astronauts are on Ares 3 mission to Mars. Well, they're already there, um, I believe, uh, six days or 16 days into the trip, souls as they're called, um, a Martian day, which is about 25 Earth hours. Um, and something goes wrong. There's a big solar storm that they briefly heard of, not solar storm, um, 
what do you call Mouth it? Storm. Yeah, Storm of Dust Storm. <laughs> that's it. Um, it tears through, and this is the part where a lot of people complain about because it's unrealistic. Uh, the atmosphere of Mars is so thin that it would feel like a light breeze, that storm. Right. Even yeah. with how it looks. Yeah. Um, but the, the book was written in a time where we didn't actually know that, so yeah, the author didn't right. know. Um, now, then after that, uh, Mark Watney gets struck by some debris and all the stormers, they're trying to escape. It damages his life support systems detectors so they can't see that he's alive. Um, they end up basically making the call to leave the planet without him because they're their um mav mars ascension vehicle that's going to take them up to their ship is about to be tipped over and destroyed so they need to leave now otherwise they'll be stuck there permanently um so they they go and then um later on realize that they left uh matt damon uh mark Watney mark. behind um and yeah it's pretty and much then just about, it's about how they get mark back yeah though. first it's sort of about him just trying to survive and find a way to communicate with NASA and then eventually they realize blah, blah, blah. And it's just a cool kind of uh, tale of rescuing someone. Yeah. And also a tale of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got some parallels to other movies where people spend a long time alone. Mm. Um, is it, um, what's the, Tom Hanks movie where he's stuck oh, on the island. Yeah, Castaway. Castaway. That's a I was really going to call movie. it Shipwrecked. Yeah. Castaway. Uh, or um, the one that I talked about earlier in this podcast, mm. Tracks, where um, where Robin mm. spent months on her own. So, you know, it does have some parallels to other films. It's also very similar, I think, to Apollo 13, in that you see a lot of NASA, um, totally. you know, nerds problem solving to, to get these yeah, people back I mean, alive. That's one of the. I actually find uh, the when the, towards the end of the movie, it kind of switches perspective once the Ares three crew who are already on their way back to Earth start turn back and start coming back to Mars. Well, they don't up. turn back, do they? They slingshot around the yeah, Earth. Yeah, they slingshot. They do yeah. the um, the Rich Purnell maneuver. Yeah, um, around <laughs> the yeah. Um, the Earth to get to get um, enough speed to, to get go back, back to Mars. Yeah. Um, when they start going back, it kind of switches to their perspective for a while between them and NASA, and you don't see much of Mark because Mark's just moving along the country, um, country, moving along Mars on a rover, so it's a bit boring what he's doing, respectively. Um, th- that this point of the movie onwards is actually personally my least favorite part of the film, even though it's the climax and the ending, just because I love, I love, love, love from the moment Mark Watney um, wakes up alone on Mars to when um, the NASA's actual, like, rescue mission is in action. That whole kind of uh, point, yeah. that whole area section of the film. Where it's just being very self-reliant. Is just the best part because, you like, you really see the him him and the other characters figuring things out in clever ways. Well, at first it's just him figuring it yeah. out because NASA have actually announced that he's dead. They've held a memorial totally. service for him. And- um, they're totally one of the. I think one of the most delightful scenes of the movie is when that young um, astro scientist. Um, oh, I wonder what, what's that actor actor's name. She was in Station Eleven, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, um, the pictures are But anyway, she's think. the young um, astro scientist who um, is examining the satellite pictures of Mars and realizes that the um, I think it's the rover is moving 
is between photos. It's in different spots or and other things are moving around. I think the solar panels. And um, and so she um, alerts them to the fact that it looks like Mark's still alive. And, um, and their reactions to that are quite priceless because I think the PR person is the most um, – shocked by that because she's like well we've just told everyone she's oh Mackenzie Davis um yeah the PR person is the most shocked when they're told that he is alive because she's like we just told the whole world that he's dead and now we've got to tell them no sorry he's still alive now we're just going to watch him die slowly (laughs) (laughs) exactly um I yeah they did a really good job um of showing how he figures things out, but not as good as the book because a lot of the times in the movies, in the movie, because it's kind of hard to show, I guess, it's, you can't really easily show problem solving. It's a complicated thing. Um, when there's a problem, you'll just see him say, I've, I know what I'm going to do. Mm. Like you, there's a bit of a jump. Yeah. In the book, sometimes there's that where he'll just suddenly come onto the log system after having a break or whatever, and he types out, because in the book it's written, the logs, yeah. um, and he types out what he's going to do. Um, he'll be like, I know what I'm going to do. But sometimes you see him really stuck on a problem and you kind of see more of the problem solving in the book, which yeah. I think is – so if you're more interested in the – if you the science was what really excited you and the problem solving and the figuring things out and obviously the character of Mark Watney, that's what you really like in this film. The book is just marvellous because it goes into that even yeah, more right. than the yeah, film yeah. does. Yeah. The film shows you a lot of every other thing, but from the book you only see what he sees. Oh, so you only see so really all what's that NASA. going on with NASA. Ah. You see some of it, and I'm, it's been a while since I've read the book, but um, I'm pretty sure you only see, you only hear from NASA what he hears from NASA. Ah, okay, um, yeah, yeah. So they're quite different, similar but different. I mean, the the thing that everyone, um, a lot of a lot of nerds get very nerdy about the Martian <laughs> um, because it is considered one of the most scientifically accurate space movies. Mm. Even though you know there are some oh, yeah, notable some... inaccuracies, but um, they actually consulted with NASA yeah. on this. What's interesting is that someone at NASA literally wrote a um a I wouldn't say a research paper, but a paper analysing the Rich Purnell manoeuvre to see if the numbers would check. And and she said aside from a few variables, it's all it would all actually be a great move and would actually work. Yeah, right. Um, And it would be something that they'd probably do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I think is just really cool. (laughs) Um, But a lot of the – so in when writing the book, he – Andy Weir – Famously, there's a famous quote at the start of the film that I think says, um, I wanted to be a scientist, instead I wrote this book. Yeah, or something yeah, like words to that effect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's, his parents are scientists, I believe, or at least his dad. Um, so he has a strong sort of science background and really that's what he loves about writing and you can tell it in his other books as well, which are fantastic. Um, and he, But he also crowdsourced a lot of the science, so things that he was unsure of he would just put forward to his fans because he was releasing it chapter by chapter for free online originally. Yeah, it was like a blog, wasn't it? One, yeah, almost, one yeah, chapter one chapter at a time. Yeah. And people would come back with feedback and they'd be like, oh, actually, there's this bit of science. So he was kind of evolving with the science community. Um, and the things that he would have really been getting wrong in hindsight were just things that we didn't know. He wrote the book just before a major peak in, in Mars understanding, um, like in the yeah. ro- last 
few years, we've just our knowledge of Mars is just growing. We've learned that there's water on Mars. Yeah. Since then, um, which wasn't known at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really fascinating seeing all that based um, on what we knew at the time. Um, the way he problem solves how Mark can survive. Uh, totally. How long he ends up surviving there? About three or four years, I think, doesn't he? With, oh, with basically one year so worth of food that he has to then stretch out. Every soul is an hour longer than an Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when I say three or four years, yeah. I'm being very proper. It was several. It was, yeah. yeah, it was definitely, um, it was something like. Or maybe it was like five. 500 and something souls. Yeah. So I'd say two and a half years. Okay. It's, it's much longer than. He had um, enough food. Well, they were meant to be there 30 days. Yeah. And he... Um, they accounted for 60 days of food for six people. Yes. And then he grew, managed to grow potatoes, which was From amazing. a little batch of nine potatoes or whatever they had. Yeah, for, for their Thanksgiving that mm. they were going to have up there. And, um, and then he... Um, and then the potatoes got ruined. Um, the, well, he managed to harvest, I think, he managed quite to harvest a, a lot of potatoes, um, but um, before there eventually was a, that the hab got mm, blown up. <laughs> that moment in the book is is really like sad. Um, well, it's sad in the movie. It's sad too. in the movie, yeah. but the, it, it feels a shorter in the in the movie. But in the book, everything's going to be shorter yeah. in a movie. But in the book, it felt like it took up a large part of it. Somewhere, like in my memory. But again, it's been a while, so. Um, yeah, and I, I. Is there anything about the movie that you don't like? Yeah, I mean, I don't like um, the. Uh, I don't know. What are you? What What, what are the things you don't like? Um. Oh well. Oh, look, I think there's a few sort of plot points that sort of um, don't feel very gelled together. Um, but mm. it still works overall because it's got that problem-solving aspect and it's got that real likability for it's Mark. Really you really likeable. want Mark to get back. But one point where I went, mm, that's really stretching my... Um, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, my suspension of disbelief. Mm. Um, when the crew of... Is it Aries? The, Aries, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they find out that Mark's still alive. At first they're not told and eventually they're told and um, they're... They're very devastated that they've left someone alive mm -hmm. back on Mars and and he's their friend and, and um, they're very sad that he might not come back alive. And um, they, when, someone at NASA who's worked out that they can do this slingshot manoeuvre um, sends it to them sort of um, secretly so that they become sure, aware, yeah. become aware that this maneuver is doable, even though NASA has said that they don't want them to do it. Yeah. And they decide that they're going to, what do they call it? Um, well, they're going to disobey orders, basically. Mutiny. mutiny. They're yeah. going to mutiny and um, do this maneuver without NASA knowing by overriding NASA's mm. um, ability to control the ship at all. And I just thought, I mean, actual astronauts would not be mutinying, I don't think, and I don't think they would do things um, without NASA's okay. And yeah, I mean, it does know. depend. They, I think it would. I think it's possible because they. The reason they didn't tell, they, they didn't give them the options because they knew if they gave them the option to risk their lives to save Mark, they would do it in a heartbeat. Um, and I think that the moment they were given that chance and they knew even if they knew it wasn't something that nasa didn't necessarily want mm. 
I, I think it's something that they would potentially do. I just think it would be more of a conversation that, that, that everyone would have with NASA rather than them saying we're just going to mutiny and do it regardless. But they, they, they can't. NASA's just going to say no. They can't talk to NASA. Well, NASA about. ends up agreeing agree Well, no, it. they don't agree. They have to. They have because to go with it. once they start doing the manoeuvre, it changes everything. Every yeah. other possible uh, solution yeah. would work. Yeah. It's a all or nothing. So they force NASA's hand. Okay. I still um, just feel that they that They know that they have a, the, the original plan was so risky and wasn't was unlikely to work, and I, I think it would have ended in disaster, and I think they were all very unsure that it was actually going to work. Yeah, they, they were. They presented an op- option that shows them that they – just putting a little bit of risk, a little bit more time and space, yeah. and they have a yeah, much yeah. stronger chance. But that's why I think, I think it was it. a good choice to do it. Yeah. I just don't believe that NASA wouldn't have talked to them about it and wouldn't have just worked out, you know, as adults, talking to adults, no, how are we going to do this? NASA, I know, off the top of my head, um, Donald Glover, there we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. I should remember that. He's one of my favourite actors and musicians. Um, He's he's great. He's really awesome. Yeah, an actor and, he's um, terrific in it. That scene where he, um, you know, where he gets up and he falls down. Yeah. Apparently that was accidental, <laughs> but they kept it in. That is brilliant. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of great I mean, just looking, this. I've got the cast list right next to me. Looking at the faces, there's not a single one really that doesn't look Super familiar. I mean, everyone is just a well-known, established yeah, actor. Yeah, probably the, not the actor that I disliked the most, but the part that I disliked the most in this was probably Jeff Daniels as the um, director of NASA, just because um, he it was necessary for the film mm. because he couldn't, you know, spend too much time explaining the depths of his personality. But he did come across as very two-dimensional. Like, yeah, he, it was almost like a cardboard cutout of what a that's true. NASA I think Apollo be. thirteen does a better perspective. It's not the same character. I don't believe it could. It could be not the same character. I don't mean. I mean the same job position. Oh, yeah, but even, the director of NASA. I don't know if it is the same position. I think it's um potentially someone else. But, but um, in Apollo thirteen, yeah, sort of, yeah, in Apollo thirteen, you've got um that famous actor. I can't remember his name, but the guy playing that sort of main head of NASA kind of role, make calling the shots and, and whatever. Um and everyone has Not to Tom Hanks in the waistcoat. No, Tom Hanks is the astronaut. Oh the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy in the waistcoat? The waistcoat. Uh, There's no one in a waistcoat. Let's not talk about Apollo 13. I haven't watched it recently. Well I just enough. wanted to say that that role. Um that one, even though it's the kind of the decision maker has to make the hard decisions and does all these things, they do do a really good job of giving him personality. A it's a waistcoat because he gets uh, one yeah. from his, yeah. um, his wife yeah, um, and he wears it the entire mission. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a, a running joke there or something. But he, they give him they give him a lot of um, uh, like character throughout, just sprinkled throughout. It's not much, but it's yeah. enough that you can see a rounded human being yeah in this film it's it is quite two dimensional. yeah i mean they try to give him some nuance by showing that mm. he is perhaps um he sometimes perhaps lacks courage and takes the less risky Ooh. um path each time yeah um and that's sometimes backfires that, the, that's bit. the issue is that I but think that's that, what a NASA director would probably totally i think you're going to be unlikable in that role well risk averse i think it's risk averse yeah well of course but also somewhat unlikable I think nearly every department is going to have their issues with that person. With someone that, making decisions. Because that person is yeah. going to be often making decisions they don't like. Yeah. 
Um, my one of my favorite characters was um, Benedict Wong, who was the uh, oh the head of the um, jet propulsion yeah, lab. lab. Yeah, that that whole um, like any scene with them that the whole yeah. team there it was just they keep so getting told good. they have less and less time his just reactions is just brilliant what does he say one time he says i'm gonna need a bed i oh, know i'm gonna need a new change of underwear or oh something yeah like that. <laughs> new change of pants <laughs> yeah oh dear um, it's just brilliant yeah it has lots of lovely throwaway lines that make you like laugh yeah and um it Part of the yeah, part of the reason I recommended this film is just because I've was more and more um chatter and excitement for the launch of Artemis One coming in May or June, I believe, which is the first it's uncrewed um mission, but first sort of mission in the series of missions to settle on the moon and then to Mars. Mm. So it's, it's very, very exciting. Mm. Um, so it's, there's a lot of chatter about that because they've just the other day rolled out the Artemis One um SLS, which is the space launch system. It's all built together with the Orion shuttle on top. Um, so it's a massive skyscraper-sized rocket. What's a bit shocking is this rocket costs something like $4 billion to make, and it's unlike SpaceX rockets, it's non-reusable. Oh, right. So they shoot up a $4 billion rocket and have to rebuild it. I, I see a future film about this, Darcy. <laughs> but um, Hopefully it doesn't, doesn't go too badly wrong. Well, it's... I mean, it, it's space travel. It gets safer and safer. Every the more day. we do it, every day. Yeah. It's never going to be a zero percent risk, but it's about how close you can get to zero. Um, and it's, you know, in the history of space flight, American space flight, there are two notable ones: Challenger and um, uh, Colum- Columbia, um, which was oh, the one that blew up that burnt in on reentry, yeah. and Challenger was the one that blew up as well. Oh, yeah. And those are sort of the most notable. Outside of that, there really haven't been many. And when you account for how many crewed launches there were. There yeah. were 170 something um uh, missions with that shuttle alone. Mm. Um obviously every fatality is terrible, but it just it shows goes to show that it's um I, I mean in number wise it's almost safer than driving these mm. days, flying a spaceship, um, which is bonkers. But it's because just, you have you're just reminding me of that um of the end of the film where he shoots up in that um oh it's that little space that's one of the best scenes <laughs> and it's they had to take everything off it because it was too heavy to reach the um Ares three what I and love... he's basically shooting through space in a convertible <laughs> exactly that's a, yeah what I love it's one of those things where it's fiction but it's one of those things that is so mind mind bogglingly bizarre and crazy yet real like realistic yeah that it feels real like it feels like yeah yeah i didn't i didn't you know i can be quite the skeptic but at that point i was kind of yeah fair enough it's just such a bizarre (laughs) crazy thing that it just makes sense and it the science like checks out for the most part yeah because the atmosphere is so thin you don't have the heat issue you don't have once it you don't have much wind resistance you can just go up he's in a pressurized suit it was more about getting the speed so that he would reach the areas three and then then he still doesn't get high enough and he ends up having to pierce his spacesuit to create that, which is stretching believability. Well, that, that, <laughs> technically, technically, it would be possible, but you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't, and it, it went, went wrong for him. And he does it in the book too. Um, and it's a stupid idea because you're releasing an uncontrolled amount of air that's yeah. just going to fly you in any direction. It was a horrible, horrible idea. But yeah. he was dizzy and and crazy. And also. 
out of other options. Out of other options, yeah. Anyway, what's your take well, on it? In the book, it is implied that he kind of does it because he's really lightheaded and confused. He doesn't have good problem solving at that moment. Anyway, my um, primary takeaway is just a really fun movie and I kind of wanted to... You'll just... always love it. I'll always <laughs> love it, I think. It's just um, very, very awesome. I love kind of the problem solving in this and other movies. There's a lot of movies where there's a serious challenge that people have to, all sorts of people have to come together for um, to really problem solve. And those are the often the best yeah. kind of movies. Well, overall, it's just that I love the movie. I mean, it's hard to say because it's not some amazingly artistic thing. It's it's just an enjoyable, fun thing with lots of good acting and really just incredible story that will always hit home for me. I love all the little details and all the large spectacles. It's just, it's classic um, entertainment at its finest, I find, I feel, um, I find. Uh, and I, I, I just think it's kind of a, a, a little treasure, you know, mm. a gem, a hidden gem, not hidden, but a gem. It's just a gem of a movie and I love it. Oops. You'll always love it because it brings together a few of your favourite things. Totally. Just yeah. a lot of themes and elements that I that I really like. And if, um, you know, other people really like the sciencey stuff or just anything to his space or the actors in this, it's just a really fun film. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, yeah. it's just fun. Um, what about you? What was your sort of key take? Um, I really love that this has a lot of actual science in it because I enjoy just sort of watching mm. them figure things out. And I really like that, um, you know, Matt Damon... The character he plays, Mark, um, is he has his down moments, but he always comes back around to being positive mm-hmm. and um, and and working the problems, and um, and I think you know that's a, that's just a really good way to to approach working the problem. That's you know that's exactly how they put it. I was listening to um, Chris Hadfield's um, sort of autobiography recently, who's an astronaut. And he said that the number one thing that they would always do in any issue is just work. Just the problem. work the problem, just and it, I think it's a good it's a good lesson in life. It's one that I didn't really, yeah, um, understand until I was probably in my thirties. Um, you know that you didn't have to necessarily be upset and um, and you know be at the mercy of your emotional response. You could feel those emotions, but then you could just see it as a problem that you needed to to. Um, to work, to exactly. work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. a good way to approach life. Yeah, definitely. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, with that, do you want to announce what the next film is? Yeah. So next week we're actually going to do one that's um, we're going to have a guest uh, co-host, Kez, and we're doing a film that Kez has picked. Our at, producer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so it's Whip It, which is a two thousand and nine film. Uh, directed by Drew Barrymore, and it's about roller der- derby. Mm. Um, so very much looking forward to having Kez guest on that one. And, um, yeah, it's something different that we haven't. Yeah, I think I've seen this movie once, but it's been a while, so yeah. I'm kind of keen to watch it again. And I think this is our first uh, film that we'll, we will have reviewed that it has someone other than a male as the director. Well, that's good. Yeah. So about time. Yeah. <laughs> So that'll be good. Um, until then, if you've if you are enjoying this podcast, give us um, give us a rating and um, subscribe, and you can follow us on um, at Orgy and the Alien on yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Insta, all social media really. Um, you can also email us. I uh, I don't have that email address handy. I think it's just Orgy and the Alien at gmail.com. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, so if you have any suggestions for movies that you would like to have us discuss, you can email your ideas to yeah, yeah, send them in. Send Orgy in the Onion. Um, they'll be open to all review, good or bad, so just be prepared for that. Um, <laughs> all right, with that, then see you next week. See you next week. Bye. So, do you want to ask me again? Yeah, let me just. I'm sorry, I've got a. <laughs> His dinner's repeating on you. Don't use that as a, as a blooper. Oh my god. <laughs>